When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome here to Affected by Altitude, the flagship podcast of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Podcast Network here on the Fans First Sports Network. I am your MC host here, Skylar Timmons, and joining here in the purple corner, the smolder from Boulder, it's Evan Lang. Who's going to go through the Spanish announcers table today? Uh, not me. <laughs> This is great. This is a great intro. <laughs> Just uh, threw off my groove. <laughs> but this is Roster Mania, uh, our little podcast take here on WrestleMania, because, Evan, it's been a crazy week with the Rockies here in the month of May to start. Hey, you could argue that lots of these roster moves are coming off the top rope, as it were. Lots of... Uh... Lots of unexpected twists and turns over over the last week or so in Rockies baseball. And we're going to do our best to break that down for you. Yeah, and my favorite part of the week was when Bud Black came out with a chair to save Chris Bryant, who was getting pinned by C.J. Crone. And he just came out of nowhere and just bashed him with the chair. Wait, why was C.J. pinning Chris Bryant? Oh, uh, I don't know what they do so at Rockies unex- practice. Was that an unexpected heel turn? Yes. We need Mac. We need Mac to to really cement the wrestling flair. <laughs> the wrestling lore of the Colorado Rockies. Make it the Mac never lines. Mac never breaks kayfabe. <laughs> That's why he always talks about Kingdom Hearts. It's part of his character. It's true. Strong writing in, for that guy. It was in, it was in his uh his contract when he signed up. <laughs> But yeah, this is this is roster mania, and for the reason, it's just been crazy week. Tons of moves. Uh, roster's kind of weird. First week of May's been kind of strange uh, because the Rockies haven't stunk. Then the f- first week of May since April thirtieth, they haven't stunk in this first week. Uh, after a rough April, it's been a breath of fresh air. So we'll talk about that and all these moves. And will we throw in wrestling impersonations? You better believe it, brother. Ooh, yeah. The cream rises to the top. 
Let me tell you, Evan, the cream always rises to the top. Oh, yeah. And then we snap into a Slim Jim. There, there is legitimately, there's a, there's a, a quote from Macho Man Randy Savage that I legitimately really like where he's like, talking about how it's okay to like be emotional and you know he's a he's the macho man but he's cried before and he'll cry again but what's important <laughs> is always getting back up mm-hmm. that's right and both of our voices are shot and so we won't be doing rick flair woos uh, i can't get up that high <laughs> anyways let's get into some baseball talk this It'll has be truly funny. been an incredible introduction i think one for the record books Oh, yes, indeed. We'll be have plenty more wrestling references throughout. Uh, but Rostermania, first we're going to talk about pitching. The pitching that's uh, going to come out first and devastating injury coming news out of the, oh, from the Rockies this past week. Uh, we knew he was going to be out for a while, at least six weeks, maybe. But unfortunately, Herman Marquez it looks like he's going to have to get Tommy John surgery on that elbow. He's done for the year. His future at the Rockies is kind of up in the air now. Uh, just a such an unfortunate thing and a tough blow for the Rockies, Evan. Yeah, it's really tough because you have Erman, who is such an important part of this rotation of this organization, and to to lose him to this kind of an injury this early in the season as well, but. Uh, an injury that puts his his future with the organization to question. This is technically the last contract year for Erman. He does have a club option for $16 million for 2024 and then is officially a free agent in 2025. But with Tommy John, he's going to miss, if not the entire, then pretty much the entire 2024 season. He will not play because he has to get the surgery and then recover and rehab. Um, we're very likely seeing the have seen the last that Erman is going to pitch for the Rockies unless they vest that club option. And it's it's so complicated because honestly I don't know what the right move is, but there definitely is a a move that I would consider the right move and that's doing right by Erman who's been your staff ace who stood by this club over the last you know, six years, seven years since he made his debut in 2016. And that is, even though it's going to be expensive, this team is not particularly big on payroll. You use that club option. You pay Armand, you put him through the rehab, and you see if you can bring him back for 25. You do right by your staff ace. And that's what I want this team to do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the question I have, because then there's also logistics of, do you really want to be paying $16 million to a guy in his final you know, contract year? No, uh, with if you exercise that club option, you're paying $16 million for a guy to just sit on your roster and then become a free agent potentially. Or do they try to, we've seen some things of, they want to work out an extension, obviously. They always say that. And no, perhaps they do like they do with Tyler Kinley, where they signed him to that extension, even though he's been out, he's gonna, he's out most of this year. They bought a couple more of those, I guess, arbitration or free agent years to keep him around, and he'll be back soon. 
or do they you know, give him the $2.5 million buyout option and then, hey, Armand, we're going to do this and so then we can kind of rework this contract so you know, we can give you a ton of incentives and extend it on the back end of that contract so we can give you more incentives to make up for that lost $16 million mm-hmm. and then kind of give us some wiggle room where we can then take that money and pay it somewhere else to improve the ball club somewhere maybe. And that's you know. definitely something that we've seen with uh, with other rotation pitchers needing Tommy John surgery tor- sort of towards the end of their contracts like Armand. This is not the first time we've seen this with a pitcher. It's not the last time we're going to see this with a pitcher either. And that's definitely an option uh, for the Rockies of you exercise that buyout and then negotiate a new deal with Armand that keeps him with the team, that pays him while he rehabs and has the incentives for if you come back from Tommy John and you're ready to rock and roll, then you can still earn a decent amount of money or yeah. even have a contract get renegotiated later on. Yeah, I think like the the when the Padres re-signed Mike Clevenger after he went down with that Tommy John, they then signed him to that two-year deal where he, he didn't make as much while he was rehabbing. But then when he came back, he was like $11, $12 million when he came back for the second year and pitched. And then that earned him a spot with the White Sox or wherever. Mm-hmm. And so there's precedent for these types of things. It's just a tricky spot and such an unfortunate time for this injury to happen. Happens last year. Hey, you can deal with that. We'll more than gladly exercise that option. No questions asked. And no, I'm in that camp. The Rockies probably will exercise that option just because they don't, <laughs> their track record, they don't want to let him hit that open market and gamble that. Yeah. How's, Even, how's that gone for the last couple pitchers? Yeah. <laughs> And so you hope maybe they can figure something out or, or talking with Armand, figure out what the game plan is. Hopefully they can you know, figure out kind of that extension of, hey, we're going to have this extension that gets rid of this club option, you know, and re-extend it through or, or whatever. I don't know how the financials work with everything, but uh, there's ways they can work around it. But it's just such a tough thing because Armand – a solid year so far. Like he was throwing strikeouts and limiting walks. Uh, he was not getting overwhelmed, like giving up a ton of runs. Now he was nice and solid through his starts. And then just to get that hit to, to require Tommy John surgery, it's just tough for him. Yeah. For a rotation three weeks. He, he had made it through. Um, his, his first two starts were both pretty solid. He did give up, you know, four earned runs in his second start where he went five and a third innings. But then when he first went down on April 10th against St. Louis, he went five innings as well, looking really, really good and then went down and then came back against Cleveland and was looking pretty solid overall until, uh, until that sort of last, last part where he went down and, and himself, some of the trainers, it was very clear that something was wrong. Uh, a big thing to, that I like to point out with Armand is that he only just turned 28 years old a couple months ago. This uh-huh. is not a career ender. He can come back from this. By the time he is he's ready to rock and roll, he'll be just a tick over 29 years old. And that can still be considered a pretty good prime for a starting pitcher as talented as Armand Marquez is. And that is that's another reason why I want this club to figure things out with him. I don't want this to be 
the last that we've seen Ermon pitch in a Rockies uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like Nolan Arenado. That was a very unceremonious 2020 season, and he's shut down for the last couple weeks, and then he gets traded away. Like very unceremonious. And so this is time, and it'd be tough because Herman would be a hot commodity on the free agent market. And so it could be <laughs> all the won't be in the, the room where it happens. We're not backstage. So we don't know the conversations he's having with his agents and with the Rockies of maybe he wants to you know if they have intentions of declining that you know, option and giving him the buyout. You may be thinking like, well, let's see what we can get on that open market thing. So it's just a rough spot and everything. We won't know what happens, but man, it's just an already rough rotation for a team that has done nothing to address starting pitching. <laughs> when you've already DFA'd your one free agent starting pitcher you signed three weeks into the season and everything else isn't looking too good, you're kind of in a rough spot. And let's be clear, designating Jose Arana for assignment was still the right move. We had no idea when that move took place that Herman was going to need Tommy John because mm-hmm. he had been cleared to come back. He was activated off of the 15-day IL and made his first start back off. And we were like, all right, we're good to go. It was just really unfortunate timing-wise that basically immediately after he goes down again and now needs Tommy John. But the rotation is a little weird. Um, you had really only your three healthy starting pitchers at the time, which was Kyle Freeland, Austin Gomber, and um, Ryan Feltner. And Kyle Freeland is Kyle Freeland. He's been fine. Um, really minus that one bad start against Pittsburgh. Kyle's been the reliable starting pitcher that we know he is. Austin Gomber has really turned things around in his last few starts. His last three starts have all been really good, including two back-to-back quality starts. And Ryan Feltner, he didn't look great today, time of recording, but it could have been so much worse with how he was pitching, where he gave up uh, seven free passes in today's game against the New York Mets, six walks and a hit-by-pitch and yet only gave up four earned runs. Mm -hmm. Like, that could have been astronomically worse, especially when his last couple starts have been pretty good. He had that start in the the Milwaukee series where he looked looked pretty solid. So I'm not overly worried about that. Everybody has off days, and it could have been so much worse. And then finally, uh, Antonio Sensatela is back, and Sensatela looked fantastic in his first start back from the 60-day IL in which he he tore his ACL last season in August and has re, was rehabbing, had his two rehab starts in Albuquerque, and he looked great. I was really, really happy with what I saw where he was absolutely pounding the strike zone, um, struck out three batters, which is pretty solid for him, only walked one. His big thing is that he limits walks, induced a lot of, of ground ball contact and really only had the one bad pitch. And that one bad pitch was a fastball that he left middle, middle and he got taken for a ride for a home run, but it was a solo. And, home run. <laughs> and I don't blame that loss on Sensatela because that home run was the, was the mitigating factor for, for the Rockies losing that series opener against the Mets. 
but that absolutely not his fault. That was the fact that the Rockies offense really couldn't get anything done. Senza Taylor was great. The bullpen was great. And so if, and this is a big if, everyone who is here right now, Senza Taylor, Gomber, Freeland, Feltner, can stay healthy, and I know that's a big if, and Noah Davis is able to come back, then we've got our rotation. But it's still paper thin, uh-huh. where our only backup rotation guy right now is Connor Siebold. And I'll give Connor Siebold the credit of, in his first start as a Rocky, you know, it wasn't perfect. He gave up three solo home runs. Not great. but Solo homers don't kill you. But solo homers don't kill you. And that was a game that the Rockies managed to end up winning. And it shows you that you can use him as starting pitching depth. He went five innings, which is more than anyone could ask of a guy who is still being stretched out and has not made a start with the big big league club yet this season and only gave up three earned runs. I am. That is a perfectly cromulent start. I am more than happy with that. And then having Siebold as our backup guy. But that still leaves us incredibly thin yeah. in the rotation. Yeah, because Peter Lambert's still trying to get stretched out. He's currently up with the roster, I think, still. Yeah, but hasn't he hasn't, pitched made, at all. Uh, hasn't made an appearance yet. It's, yeah, whatever. Uh, but so he's still not rival, and it's tough to gauge AAA pitching because Albuquerque's so weird. Um, and guys are just kind of inconsistent. They'll have a good start, they'll have a good outing, and then get shelled in the next one. And so it's so inconsistent. And so there's not a lot of confidence of, okay, this guy can come up and, and give us a good competitive big league start. You just don't know. With Carl Kaufman, Jeff Criswell, some of those guys, you just don't know because there's it's still so inconsistent down there. Yeah. With at least Noah Davis and like even Connor Siebold, we we know a little bit more of what their consistency is. They're not too shabby with it, and we know what we can get out of them, and it's it's serviceable and we can work with it. Um, Absolutely, but it's so inconsistent with everybody else down there. Where yeah, you could, but are they ready for it? Do we and trust them with that? And you can't hinge your season on, even if we think this is going to be a losing season, you can't hedge your bets on just crossing your fingers that the guys that you have are going to stay healthy because you never know if that's uh-huh. going to be the case. And 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 I really like what you said about um, pitching down in Albuquerque. The PCL is one of the hardest uh, leagues in the minors to pitch in. It is a very hitter-friendly league. And it's one of those things where you can take a peek at some of the more advanced numbers to see how a pitcher is really doing outside of their ERA. But mm-hmm. even then, those are still going to be skewed, and you have to see how they would do on a big league roster. Really, you don't really know until you call them up and see how they do. Mm-hmm. And some people do better in that environment. Some people do worse. You know, Carl Kaufman is a really interesting case because – you can tell exactly what is wrong with him right now. And it's not his ERA. And it's not that he's given up a ton of home runs or getting particularly shelled. He's giving up a lot of contact because he's not missing bats. He's a strikeout pitcher. Who's not striking out batters. Mm -hmm. That is his problem right now. You can, you can tell by looking at his numbers, 
but you still don't know how he would do if you call him up. And it's the same with Chriswell. Well, Chris, Jeff Chriswell is getting hit a lot and he's getting hit hard. But you look at the environment that he's pitching in. So it's it's so yeah, it's so difficult yeah. with having your affiliate be down in the PCL. It was a problem when our AAA affiliate was the Sky Sox, and it's a problem with our AAA affiliate being the Isotopes. That's just sort of how it goes in those leagues. Rocky should get the Salt Lake Bees should be their AAA. It's kind of that slowly less altitude, but still altitude. Who knows? They'll figure it out. But the nice thing, though, Evan, is that if we can get a starting pitcher to go at least five innings and keep it competitive, the Rockies have an incredibly good bullpen here. And we'll we'll talk about that here in just a second. But, Evan, I think we're going to have to take a quick break here so we can then make some of that monies here at Roster Mania, get those good sponsors, and then we'll talk about the bullpen and then move on to the position players. How's that sound? Let's cut a promo. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take you down. <laughs> <laughs> we could always share our promos here with on the video version, but I can't think of anything. Yeah, that's uh, that's something we'd need a we'd need a writer for. And yeah. yes, we're both writers, but not that kind of writer. No, we're currently we're not currently on strike. So <laughs> I actually don't know if they're probably WWE not. writers are part of the WGA. Uh, I'll have to ask. Mm. I know animation I like writers aren't. Yeah, it's mostly live action. Um, live, <laughs> live action, action. <laughs> Real life. Anyways. IRL. Anyway, take a quick ad break. We'll be right back. I thought that was the ad break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that the ad break? Well, then welcome back from the ad yeah, break. Yeah, you, you cut that right before I did my promo. So let's keep this rolling here with the bullpen. So like we said... If they can get a starter to go five innings, bullpens, weird to say, after the last few years, we have all the faith in the world in the bullpen right now. Uh, for the most part, aside from Nelson Lamette, who's on the injured list right now, everybody else down in that bullpen has been fairly solid and reliable. There's been hiccups here and there, but for the most part, as a group, one of the best bullpens the Rockies have had in – a few years, and it's really know. refreshing Errol to see. Castro has an ERA of eighteen. Oh, <laughs> and Alan Trejo gave up a run. Hmm. I take back everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's been a solid bullpen, and crazy to think that that's the strength for the twenty twenty three Colorado Rockies. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected this because it's every year we go, if the Rockies are going to have one strength in their pitching, it's the rotation. Even over the last couple of years where the rotations has struggled a bit, the the bullpen's always been a bit of an issue. And so far this year, the bullpen has been excellent. And some of the some of the base numbers are really deceiving. Uh, the Rockies have a uh, a team ERA out of the bullpen of 4.30, which is good for ninth worst in all of MLB right now. But you compare that to some of the higher ERAs, where you have the Athletics, the White Sox, and the Giants, who all have bullpen ERAs over six, and you have the skew somewhat in that bullpen ERA 
because you have guys like Harold Castro and Alan Trejo with their uh, 18 and 9 ERAs respectively kind of skewing things. And uh, Denelson Lamette, who admittedly, Denelson Lamette, who is now on the IL with back spasms, has really, really struggled this year. It, it's very strange because we saw him last year and he was pretty good out of the bullpen. But this year in 10 and, 10 and two-thirds innings, he's got an ERA of 1266. That's That's rough. But then you look at all the other guys currently in this bullpen, and you've got some outliers. You've got Ty Block, who's been uh, optioned and outrighted to uh, AAA Albuquerque, who's got the uh, 8.18 ERA. And then you've got Siebold and Nick Mears, who both have ERAs over five. All right. Not great, but still serviceable because you're always going to have your your bullpen guys with the higher ERAs and it's early enough in the season that if they get consistent pitching time, they can still clean things up. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, a lot of the Rockies bullpen pitchers have ERAs under four or a couple of them even under three. You've got Jake Bird, who has been one of the most used relievers in all of Major League Baseball this year. And he had a little bit of a rough patch earlier in the season but now has a clean 3.00 ERA, has 25 strikeouts and just seven walks. He's been really good and often relied upon for multiple innings of work. And it's that multiple innings of work and it's that often relied upon that you want to focus on where this Rockies bullpen is one of the most used bullpens in the league mm-hmm. because of all of the starting pitching woes where the Rockies bullpen excuse me, has thrown 132 innings at time of recording. And that's good for uh, a tie for fifth most in the league with Baltimore. Because especially early in the season and even now, we have guys who are not making it through, you know, five innings, six innings. Uh, Our starting pitcher in today's game, Ryan Feltner, he only made it through three and two thirds. And the bullpen is picking up that slack. And it is really nice to feel like we can rely on that bullpen to pick up that slack. Obviously, you don't want your starting pitchers to not be making it through. And unfortunately, the Rockies rotation right now has um, some of the fewest innings in the league. They're just not making it through their their starts, especially in that month of April. Mm -hmm. But being able to turn around and go, we can trust the bullpen to get things done is not something that we've been able to say before. Uh, you've got Justin Lawrence and Brent Suter, who have both been outstanding. And then a bunch of other guys who have just been really solid, just exactly what you need out of a bullpen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been nice to, and that's why it kind of, that's how you can offset the starting pitching is if you can get your pitchers to give you a solid five, maybe six innings, that's so much easier to, to handle as a crew. Yeah, and we have a couple guys who, coming into the season, you didn't really expect them to be the guys that you would go to for multiple innings, like Brent Suter and like Jake Bird. Mm -hmm. But they really have been the guys that we've been able to turn to and go, all right, guys, need need you to pick that rotation back up, pick this team up, put it on your back for a couple innings. And that's what they've done. And I'm, I'm really, really happy with that, especially Brent Suter, who's got an ERA, despite having one of his, his more difficult um, outings today where he, he gave up, heaven forbid, he gave up an earned run and allowed an inherited runner to score. 
that inherited runner, by the way, is the first inherited runner he's allowed to score the entirety of this season so far. Mm-hmm. Brent Suter has an ERA of 0.89, one of the best ERAs of all relievers in the entire league. And it's one of the best in Rockies history through a guy's first 13 appearances, first 13 games that he's like, appeared this is, in. This is what we were seeing from Tyler Kinley last year, mm-hmm. where Kinley had, what, a, a 0.75 ERA before he went down? Mm-hmm. And so you have some guys that are still kind of question marks. Uh, Nick Mears, who just made it through an inning in today's game, he's a little all over the place, but he also only has three appearances right now. Mm-hmm. And we sort of know what his problem is, is that he can sort of spray the ball a little bit. He needs to really hone in on that control. Mm-hmm. But some of our folks at Purple Row are really high on Nick Mears. Looking at you, Mario. <laughs> and then you have guys like Connor Siebold, who's really sort of more transitioned into the long relief and backup starter role. Um, Brad Hand has had some inconsistencies, but overall has been really solid. You can say the same of Pierce Johnson, who has five saves this season um, because, you know, unfortunately, Daniel Bard starting the season on the IL, and he hasn't quite worked his way back up to being that closer yet. And the Rockies haven't had many opportunities for and saves. the Rockies <laughs> haven't had many save opportunities. That's, that's for dang sure. But he's getting it done where it counts, where he is five for five in those save opportunities. So the, the bullpen really is everything that you could ask for right now. And I don't know if it's going to continue to be this way. You never know. It's, it's May. But at the end of the day, you can be really happy with this bullpen. Of all the things to be negative about with the Rockies this season so far, the bullpen is not one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, this will be my closing thing, and then we'll move on. Uh, currently, looking at fan graphs, all time for the Rockies relievers, currently they're 3.80 FIP, fielding independent pitching. Uh, sometimes that's a little more accurate than an earned run average, just one of the other extra stats. Uh, their FIP is the second lowest in franchise history at the current moment at time of recording. ERA at 4.30 no, before the game today on, on Sunday they're seventh. That's the seventh best in franchise history. So if they can keep it up, this bullpen's going to be up there as one of the best in Rockies history. Unfortunately, everything else just kind of was <laughs> in a season yeah. where everything else kind of went to poo when in years past it was the bullpen <laughs> that was being the heel and everything bad. But so that's kind of the, the status of pitching at the moment. Rocky's got to figure out who's going to do more of the starting pitching and everything. But we're getting clearer pictures of who's doing the hitting here on the roster. As now we, his part of WrestleMania, we're going to move on to the position players. And first and foremost, this is kind of the, the big shocker here. Rocky's claimed Austin wins a 32 year old catcher off of waivers from the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. He's played in six games uh, prior to that with the Giants and the Dodgers. Had a pretty decent 2022 with the Giants, uh, but he played in one game, got DFA'd. Dodgers picked him up as just kind of a a backup because they needed somebody because Will Smith went on the concussion list. 
Once Smith came back, he got DFA'd again, and the Rockies put in a surprising claim on him. To Mostly, the guy can't hit very well, never has in his career after being drafted by the Orioles. But he has a strong reputation as a, a defensive catcher, works well with pitchers, handles them well, known for his good defense, above-average framer and everything, positive marks there. So he comes in, and the corresponding move, Brian Serving gets optioned down to AAA Albuquerque. And the real big one here, Jonathan Daza, outfielder, gets designated for assignment off of the Rockies roster, meaning Brent Doyle gets to stick around, get big league playing time more. And we'll just unpack this whole thing here of just that crazy, I guess, sequence of events of where we're at now with the roster. So the let's let's start with the easiest thing first is explaining the uh, the Austin wins waiver claim, and that is that Elias Diaz, who is obviously the starting catcher and has started the majority of the games at catcher, his bat is absolutely on fire right now. Mm-hmm. He is without a doubt the Rockies' best hitter. He's hitting three forty three, three ninety one, four ninety five with three home runs and six uh, six doubles and eighteen runs batted in. For an OPS of 886. He's been fantastic. And because of that, and because he's been starting so many games, Brian Servan really hasn't had much in terms of opportunity to, to start, to hit, to catch, to really do much of anything. He has 23 total at bats on the season because you don't want to, you know, remove one of the few pieces of your offense that is working extremely well. And, and that makes total sense. So you bring in Austin Wins, who can be a good off-day catcher, has has solid defense behind the plate, works well with your pitching staff. Um, could throw it a hit term, here and there. <laughs> he's 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 the Drew, the Drew Butera of this year's Rockies team. Mm-hmm. And then you option Brian Servan, who, you know, it, it, it always stinks to see a guy get optioned. But now he can get consistent playing time and consistent at bats that he was not getting up here with the club. Mm-hmm. And so, part of that, and part of that too, I was going to say, it then he can go work with those pitchers down in AAA Albuquerque because he, Brian Servant's a good defensive catcher. He works well and he's familiar with the guys down there. So you can maybe get two birds one stone, silver lining. He can go down and help build up that pitching depth, <laughs> make it improve it a little bit better. Talking about, and then you're saying get some some regular at bat playing time. Yeah, that all that all makes sense to me. the The one that really was the surprise was designating Jonathan Daza for assignment. And I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with saying I I love Jonathan Daza. I think he's a really great guy with an amazing story and a talented ball player. But he really found himself as the odd man out, especially with Brenton Doyle getting called up and getting consistent playing time in center field. And Doyle is a is a better defensive center fielder than Daza. And you have the return of Randall Gritchick, who's been hitting extremely well since his return from the IL. And then outside of that, an already very packed outfield. And Daza, the reason why he finds himself as the odd man out is because he's a very one-dimensional hitter. 
good contact. He'll get out some hits. That's about that's it. it. <laughs> he, he doesn't really strike out that much, uh, but he also doesn't really draw that many walks. He has no pop in his bat. He has four career home runs over 844 career at-bats. Uh, you add on to that that he is he is a he is a good but not great defensive center fielder who had not been fielding that well this year. And the fact that he is not particularly threatening on the base paths. He's not a stolen base threat. And he he has okay speed, but he, he's not he's not a threat on the on the bases. And you trade him out for Brenton Doyle, a 24-year-old rookie who is showing that he can really play. He is a threat on the base paths. He is a plus defender in center field. He's got incredible speed. And once he gets used to hitting in the majors, you know he's going to have more pop in his bat. And he has already accured a fourth of Jonathan Daz's home run total. Yeah. He hit his first career home run today, and he's already stolen like five bases. Yeah. <laughs> for for a dude <laughs> who's sweet. been up here for like a week and a half. And like he, he got up here, and when he played that series in Cleveland, he basically immediately doubled the team's stolen base total in a day. Mm-hmm. And then... And it's a shame because I, I really do like Jonathan Daza, but mostly because of his poor defense, he already had a negative 0.5 uh, war, according to baseball reference of this season, despite hitting, you know, 270. He mm-hmm. only had an OPS of 655. Mm-hmm. And if Daza clears waivers and accepts an, an outright assignment to AAA, uh, I'd be very happy to have him continue on with this organization and be a guy that we can... Um, you know, call up in a pinch because I, I like having him with this organization. But if not, if he gets claimed on waivers or he doesn't accept an assignment to AAA and chooses to become a free agent, I think he's going to catch on with another team. Well, and that's the thing with with Daza is the move just kind of felt inevitable once I heard you know, once Brent Doyle was getting called up. I was like, yeah, this. The writing's on the wall. Jonathan Daza, his yard man out. He had no place on the team anymore. As like you said, he was a contact guy. But then he couldn't steal bases. And he, the value was getting stopped of, well, he just doesn't strike out. He doesn't draw walks, but he doesn't strike out. He'll make contact. And that's good, but unfortunately, that just doesn't play for a guy that they were sending out day after day, every day out in center field where then the defense began to struggle. And you know, he he's a perfectly good fourth or fifth outfielder on another team that can kind of get more out of him maybe, or he can play that that you know, special role. But unfortunately, he's kind of that guy that just kind of ran out of options literally with the Rockies where you know, he, he got his looks, got a decent-sized look, especially last year, and there's just not much more to what Donna, Jonathan Daza could do in Colorado. And so Randall Gritchick, you don't really have leverage to trade him, and he provides a little bit more offense, po- offensive capabilities than Jonathan Daza. And then Brenton Doyle brings the defensive end with that even more potential to steal bases, being a true center fielder and, and can hit for power when that comes. And so he, he just was kind of made redundant here on the yeah. team and – like I said, we wish him the best, and we'll see what happens with him. But he just had no place on the Rockies anymore. What it, what it really is is 
what is happening with Jonathan Daza now is reminiscent to me of Garrett Hampson this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who's been given considerable playing considerable playing time, but unfortunately sees himself as the odd man out due to younger guys coming up and just sort of they're not really being being a spot for him with his particular skill set. Yeah. And I I am on record as saying I adore Garrett Hampson. He's one of my favorite guys. But it was a move that made sense, and this is a move that made sense, especially with Randall Gritchick. Randall Gritchick has far more uh, versatility and that he can play both the corners as well, in addition to that pop in his bat that Daza just doesn't have. Jonathan Daza's hitting profile is is that of Jose Iglesias last year. Mm-hmm. Is that he'll he'll get himself on base via singles mostly, uh, and the occasional extra base hit, but he's not going to hit home runs. Uh, but he's also not going to strike out that much. And mm-hmm. you know, Jose Jose Iglesias started um, this year with the with the Marlins and is now with the Padres, though both as minor league deals. But it shows that there's a market for a guy like that, just not as an everyday starter. Yeah, exactly. And same thing happened with Rymel Tapia. There's these guys that they they hang on to, you know, they hold on to them until they're at options and then they're kind of forced to play them. And then to justify them playing, they just keep sending them out there despite it's probably time to to send them on their way and move on to the next kind of guy that you need. And so he had his moments. He had that, you know, I was afraid that the Rockies were going to kind of get, you know, stuck on, man, we need to keep playing Jonathan Daza because remember what he did last year in the time that he played with that 300-whatever batting average. But as we know in today's game, if you only have a good batting average and then everything else is kind of eh, that's not a guy you want out on the roster every single day in the lineup. Yeah, it's, it's something that I've said time and time again on the show and in my articles is that Batting average is a good stat, but an empty one if you're not doing anything with those hits. Mm-hmm. You can lead the league in batting average, but if you're bottom of the league in slugging, does it really matter if you're getting on base? Yeah, or if you're not driving in uh, runs. Yeah. Weird because stuff. Because his, his career way to runs created plus is something like 76. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I like Randall Gritch, like we were saying, that him and Doyle kind of complement each other a little bit better where you're not really losing a whole lot which one's starting. Mm -hmm. So you can shuffle those two into that lineup more out in center field. Gritchick can play left field, get Profar, turns into a kind of a platoon with Profar and everything. So it does just didn't have a place because ultimately you want your best defenders and your best offensive capabilities out there. If Daza could have learned to play middle infield, maybe we see Harold Castro off the roster, but you keep Harold Castro because he can play middle infield and kind of be that backup platoon starter at second base with Alan Trejo now with Ryan McMahon at third. And so, and for what it's worth with, with Castro is that um, his bat is heating up a little bit. He, over his last uh, few at-bats, he's like seven or eight for his last 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And Castro is very similar to Jonathan Daza in that he's a contact guy. 
but he's just got a little bit more positional versatility where they need it at the moment where he can play short he can play third he can play second and he can play all the outfield positions castro is essentially your super utility guy right now Mm -hmm. so it's they're slowly shaping the roster there's still a bunch of plugs that are there and everything uh but they're slowly figuring things out over the course of the year the roster will continue to take shape and depending on how the season goes we'll see does it get younger or are they just gonna keep acquiring old people and rolling them out we'll see but there's guys down in triple a we won't mention we've talked about tons and tons time before guys are knocking down in triple a and so no will it brent doyle he forced his way up onto the roster and found a way to stay on it. And so that might be some motivation all around. And But there's guys down AAA knocking on the door. And hopefully we see them at some point soon. Uh, but Evan, we'll take another quick break here. And when we come back, for our audio listeners, we're going to talk about a... Well, actually, Evan, do you, do you have the time on your watch there? Heavens me. I think it might be Tovar time. Indeed it will be, brother. We'll be right back for our audio <laughs> listeners. Thanks for sticking around here. Uh, hopefully those watching on the video version don't mind our weird little awkward pauses in between. I think we've got better the awkward pauses just because they're not that long in the grand scheme of things. And also we're just kind of two weirdos on the mm-hmm. screen. So hopefully we're giving our video listeners something to watch. (laughs) But yes, as we said, it is Tovar time. And hey, rookie shortstop, kind of a a lackluster first month, but who didn't have a lackluster April? Am I right? But it looks... A couple guys had good Aprils. Yeah, yeah. But most everybody else, no. And as a team, not at all. But... The one person who did, who, who's heating up now, looks like this first week of April, first week of May. And this kind of ties into everything how the Rockies have been doing in their first couple of series here in May. But Ezekiel Tovar, he's starting to heat up a little bit. Bats starting to come along like they're hoping it would, where he's kind of moved up in the lineup. He's batting seventh. We've seen some pop rolling out now. He's driving in runs, getting hits. Defense is playing well. Things are, are slowly heating up for you know, some guys on the roster, but Ezekiel Tovar is doing well. And in conjunction, you see the Rockies are starting to do well. Yeah, it's been – the Rockies are weird because after that absolutely brutal April, we came out and swept Milwaukee and are currently, at time recording, and hopefully I don't jinx it here, uh, about to take the series um, – two games to one from the New York Mets. And that's it's leading some people to have optimism that I don't, I'll admit, I don't quite have yet. Um, where, you know, six out of their last, you know, six and one out of their last seven games, that's good. But I, I need to see the Rockies sustain this kind of performance mm-hmm. before I start hoisted myself back up onto the ultimate positivity bandwagon here. Um, especially with just how bad that April was. And, you know, if the Rockies somehow find themselves 
back in it as we get further into the year, that'd be great. But at the same time, I just don't know if that's in the cards right now. All I can really say is that you can definitely enjoy this while it's happening. I've certainly had a lovely time watching the Rockies over this last week. And like you said, one of the cues to that has been Ezekiel Tovar, who in the month of May is hitting 353, 389, 824 with two home runs. That'll play. That'll play. And he's only struck out three times so far this month. Uh And you combine that with his already excellent defense, where I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I think Ezekiel Tovar is someday going to be the best defensive shortstop in baseball. He is that good. That is how high I am on his defensive capabilities. Yeah. Because that was one of the things in that first month that it wasn't awful, but you could tell he was kind of like getting the feel for it still Mm -hmm. at the big league level. But it's slowly coming along. We knew the glove was good. And then we heard from everybody the the bat was going to come along. That's what they're waiting for. Like, we're going to keep putting him out there because he's going to figure it out. And he did. It's just like Brendan Rodgers last year, where April, horrendous. But then started to turn things around in May. And um, I don't know what it is. It's just the mental aspect of the game. How are they prepping? Are they finally comfortable now? Have the, you know, is the adrenaline or, or nervousness kind of finally shaken off where now he can feel comfortable established at the big league level and can go up there and do his thing at the plate. And it's paying off and it's good to see for our rookie. Now he's probably not going to win rookie of the year. There's media already has their pick for the year. We know how it goes, Uh, which is crazy that Jason Jennings is still our only rookie of the year in Rockies history, but I digress. But Ezekiel Tovar, he's getting there and turning into that, that player that we need. We wanted we all wanted a Trevor Story type of start to his rookie season, full rookie season. We weren't going to get that. But now we can see what he can do as he, as the season progresses, as he gets more opportunities, gets more comfortable, sees more pitchers, and, and like we've talked about before, continually evolving right in front of our eyes at the big league level, which is fun to see. You see, I think it is early enough in the season that he's still got a chance at rookie of the year. I think it's a long shot, but I think it's not impossible. And man, that would be cool. But what's really funny is the Rockies are doing exactly what we wanted them to do with Ezekiel Tovar and now Brenton Doyle of getting the rookies up here and getting them consistent playing time, especially Tovar. Tovar has started almost every single game at shortstop this season. And Brenton Doyle has started more games than he hasn't since he got called up. So you really want them. And this is a, this is a team that is old. Like, let's be clear. We have, I believe the fourth oldest lineup for batting in the league right now. And it's a team that needs to get younger. And while it's a bummer that they didn't really afford the same opportunity to Alaris Montero, the, the fact that they have given Ezekiel Tovar, the opportunity just to continue to develop and continue to see major league pitching, develop his plate approach, develop his vision and his discipline. That it was something that they promised this offseason, and we were a little hesitant to believe them. 
but they've stood by that. Ezekiel Tovar is the starting shortstop and is getting as many opportunities as possible. And it shows how high they are on him as a prospect, which is great. But it also shows that this team is capable of doing the right thing when it comes to its younger guys. And hopefully they can do it a little more. Like like we alluded to, there's guys in AAA who are knocking down the door right now that should be, in my opinion, called up. But at the very least, Tovar and Doyle, Tovar especially, have been very good. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be over the course of just, again, how does the next month or two play out and when does reality finally force the Rockies' hand of, oh, because you can't base the entire season off of one month. You can get a pretty good idea. The Rockies were horrendous, but they can still find a way to figure things out, you know, readjust the course of the season like the Philadelphia Phillies did last year, what the Washington Nationals did in 2019. There's ways they can turn things around, and it's you know, readjusting. It can be just playing better, <laughs> which that's easier said than done uh, because you actually have to do things to play better. Or they won't do an incomplete entire roster teardown in the middle of the season and build it back up. You do that more at the deadline. But we're seeing them slowly, okay, we're going to integrate these guys when it feels appropriate and when it's when we kind of have the opening to do so and cut weight of some of these lower guys that just aren't doing anything. So Rania and Noah Davis now gets to kind of stick around when he's healthy again. And Jonathan Daza, it hurts, but he needed to go, so Brenton Doyle can play now. And then next year, this roster is probably going to look more like we're hoping it will, with Doyle out in center field more, Nolan Jones will get to play more, maybe out in left field, things like that. So we'll see how the course of the season goes, but we're, we're slowly seeing what the Rockies could be if they commit to the thought process that, that we're talking about. And that okay. first week of the season. Letting your kids play. And when I do something like when I post what my ideal young guy roster is on, on Twitter or something like that, I am not saying this all needs to happen immediately. This is, this is what the roster needs to look like tomorrow. But it's more of a blueprint of where we should be aiming to get to. Because even if we are somehow competitive more towards the middle of the season... I think there's still moves to be made and these young guys in AAA who need to be given a chance. Mm-hmm. Where like if, I, I was going to say, if like CJ Crone is still in a huge slump and hitting like he is by like the middle of June or end of June, it might be time to readdress first base and bring up one of your guys that can play first base. Like, I don't know, Nolan Jones or Elias Montero, who's, tearing the cover off the ball down in AAA. You can get the roster younger and still be competitive if you're just smart in how you plug guys in and readjust. Exactly. And even for, for second base, like you ideally don't keep platooning Harold Castro and Alan Trejo. Mm-hmm. You like pick one or some, the other. You got to either pick one or the other, or you call up 
a guy like Coco Montez, mm-hmm. who is is one of these guys who has very little left to prove at the AAA level and see how he does. Because we're not we're not getting Brendan Rodgers back this season. Uh, it's incredibly unlikely. And that's a that's a problem that we're going to have to address next offseason is what his future is with the organization and what second base looks like for the future of this organization. But for this year, you can give a young guy who's ready for his shot a chance. Mm-hmm. And then see if he pans out. If he doesn't pan out, no harm, no foul. You can readjust, move on from him or change his role or whatever. But if you just sit on your hands all season and keep rolling out the veterans, even if you're losing a ton of games and they're underperforming because you feel obligated to do so, you're not doing yourself any favors. And you gotta see, you gotta see what what guys can do at the big league level in extended looks. We saw what Jonathan Daza can do, and ultimately, it doesn't make a big enough impact for us. He can make an impact somewhere else as like a fourth outfielder, extra guy. But right now, there's nothing in Brenton Doyle can fill his place. Exactly, so, and and that's that's what what bothers me about you know people who are already giving up on Alaris Montero and how the Rockies sort of handled that situation is that he still really hasn't had, I think, enough of a chance for us to really establish what he's got. He has less than a hundred more career at bats than Ezekiel Tovar has just this season which uh-huh. speaks to how they mishandled him last year with constantly optioning up and, up and down. And it speaks to, you know, what happened this year where with his poor defense at third base, they benched and then optioned him. But what they've been doing in Albuquerque with him is third base is now off the table. And that's fine because that's something that we needed to do with him anyway, is figure out what position he is. Is he a third baseman? Is he a first baseman? Where does he actually play the majority of his time? And now we've we figured that out. Third base is not in his future. Okay. But first base in DH, still wide open. And that's where he's been playing the majority of his time in Albuquerque. And he's been doing really, really well down there again because he's one of those guys who has nothing left to prove at the AAA level. It's the same for Nolan Jones, who the move to option him at the start of this season was not popular, but I still maintain that it was the right thing to do because he looked terrible in spring training. He looked nothing like the guy that we had, we had traded for and needed to get his mojo back at the plate. And he has done that in spades down in Albuquerque. And I want to see him get called back up, not just to ride the bench for a series in Seattle, but to get consistent playing time. Mm-hmm. Especially when, and I know it's the tough pill for the Rockies to swallow, but if Ryan McMahon, if you're not hitting, man, we we need some hits and consistent hits. And, like, we love his glove, and oh, he needs sometimes that buffer of, we got to get you a couple days off your feet because we need some offense. Something like that. There's things they can do. It's just a matter of, are they committed to it? Yeah. Will they follow it through on a plan? Because... We can talk about this stuff for days on end and then nothing changes. So, And, and it's hard for, for Rymac because you know he's a better hitter than what he's putting out there right now, but there's a guy who just needs a little bit of a reset. And, you know, you can't option him down to AAA or anything like that, but I would recommend maybe just taking, like, a series 
off your feet for McMahon to try and readjust and try and find that mojo because he's got something like two hits in his last 26 at bats. Mm -hmm. And he's striking out and a really high amount. And Mac always has struck out a decent amount, but he currently is one of the league leaders in strikeout rate, which is, is not what you want from your, from your everyday third baseman. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I want to get rid of McMahon or anything like that. I think he still has a future with this organization, but there's a guy in need of a reset. And if you give that reset to him, then why not give a guy like Nolan Jones a chance to play some third base? Yeah, something, anything at this moment, because, hey, guys got to move around. <laughs> we need you want to win games. That's the goal in baseball. They want to win games. Everybody agrees on that. But there's different ways to go about it. You can't just send out the same stuff day after day and hope, well, I hope this goes good. You got to figure out the plan, and if that means moving guys around, shuffling things, eating a contract if you absolutely have to, then you do it. Yeah. like I the, think the Rockies are probably going to have to, if they can't get a trade for him, the Rockies are going to, for the best interests of this club need to eat that Yerickson Profar contract because he's been, he's not been terrible, but he's not playing as a guy that is worth $7.75 million. Yeah. Like there was a reason he went unsigned for as long as he did. Exactly. And if you at some point do eat that Profar contract, then that just so happens to free up left field for a guy like Nolan Jones to play. Mm -hmm. And if you feel bad about eating that contract, just remember the Diamondbacks are paying Madison Bumgarner $46 million. Exactly. Like sometimes it's in the best interest of your club to take that financial hit. Going all the way back to what we were talking about at the beginning, even if the Rockies pay that $16 million club option to Armand, that might be in the best interest of the club to take that hit financially to keep Armand around. Mm-hmm. Even if he's not pitching, sometimes you just, you have to make those decisions there that may be financially painful, but they're the right move to make. <laughs> and like we mentioned before recording, it's sometimes acknowledging that you have been foolish about something. That's the nicer way of staying things. And yeah. Rocky sometimes have, have shown that they're not willing to <laughs> accept or acknowledge that yeah. they have been foolish. They're, they're a team that does not like to admit that they were wrong, mm-hmm. especially towards the ownership side of things and, and the high levels of that front office. Yeah. But, and like, and no team likes to admit that. And, 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 and it's true. No team likes to admit that they were wrong. And unfortunately, the Rockies are wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. But so far this season, at least, they're giving me a little glimmer of hope that they might be starting to learn how to recognize when they've made a mistake. Slowly but surely. They were able to, you know, they paid Jose Arana, you know, $3.5 million this year. And it didn't work. And after five starts, they caught him. Mm-hmm. They they ate it. They said, okay, this didn't work. And so they say, is your problem now, Nationals minor league affiliate? And 
it's the it's the same with with Daza where they they made the they made the right decision as painful as it is that Daza was not the direction that this club needed right now. And if they can keep doing these, if they can keep recognizing, all right, this isn't going to work out. We need to move on regardless of what, you know, at, at the end of the day for, for a team that brings in billions of dollars in revenue is a somewhat minuscule hit of say Profar 7.7, $7.75 million this year. He's already been paid that. Like the money's not going to come back if you cut him, and the money's not going to come back if you keep playing him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the only way is if you trade that money away to somebody else. Trade, trade him away to somebody else who has to pay that money. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes that's not an option. Yeah, <laughs> obviously for a lot of these guys and for the Rockies <laughs> in general. And it's kind of my closing thought here with everything. Feeling good at the start of May. It's awesome. This is the potential the team has. They just got to keep riding that high and make these adjustments we're talking about. That's how you can turn your season around. But ultimately, it comes down to a wonderful lesson taught in the cinematic masterpiece, Little Big League, where he has to cut the one player that was his favorite player growing up. And it loves him, has his baseball card, but the guy just can't hit and just isn't doing it. And it's more or less more or less like they can't run the team like a fan or, or can't be just let their their fandom of these guys get in the way of what's best for their team and the organization. Now you can make decisions with your heart, that's okay. That can influence some things, but you can't let that be the end all be all. You gotta use your noodle. Use your noodle, Evan. That's such a good movie. If you yeah, haven't seen did. Little Big League Go watch Little Big League. Mm-hmm. Weird. Like King Griffey Jr. is just the baddest man around. And uh, Dave Magadan's in that movie. Was he the hitting coach? No, he uh, he was playing for the Mariners at the time. What a nerd. Anyway. But great movie. Go watch it. Go watch <laughs> it once you're done watching this podcast. That's how we end roster mania is go watch little big league. <laughs> I mean, there are worse ways to end a podcast than recommending a pretty good baseball movie. <laughs> oh goodness. Anyways, that's going to, I think that's going to conclude it here for this, <laughs> this edition of affected by altitude and brings to a close our edition of the first ever roster mania. Fun times, not as many wrestling references as I thought was going to happen throughout the thing, but that's okay. Uh, Evan, cut yourself a promo. Where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me on the social media. The cream rises to the top, and I am the cream of the crop. Um, You can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. Uh, I always love hearing from folks and having some some conversations with y'all. You can also hit us up on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter, which is at RockyMTNRooftop. Um, that's where most of our updates go for stuff for you know this channel and for our network. Um, lots of good stuff going on. Skylar, you and your brother are going strong with every Rocky ever, which has been fantastic. Kenneth and I just relaunched the Pebble Report podcast, our minor league show, in a new monthly format. Uh, that just went up last week. I hope you all really enjoy it. And then, of course, this show. 
Um, you can also find me writing on purplerow.com on Thursdays with the Thursday Rock Pile and Thursday game coverage when the Rockies play games on Thursdays. Um, as always, feel free to check out all of the awesome work that everybody at Purple Row does uh, for all of their stuff, including you know both Kenneth and Skyler. Indeed. Uh, Evan, you turned into Jesse Ventura for like a second there too, doing your promo. I couldn't tell you. I have no memory of what Jesse Ventura sounds like. <laughs> oh, you went into a little bit of the Jesse Ventura when he was no fighting the predator out in the woods. Well, because Jesse Ventura is from. I was also the. Uh, the he's from like Minnesota or Michigan. The governor of Min- of, Minis- of Minneapolis at one time. The governor of Minnesota. Oh, anyways, you can find me over on the Twitters at, at sideline underscore crowd. I say the Twitters because of my San Luis Valley accent. And find me over on Purple Row, Wednesday Rock Piles. A new episode of Every Rocky Ever coming out this upcoming Wednesday. We're talking about Mr. Late Night himself, Seth Smith. Fun little episode. I never heard back from him, so you probably won't hear back from him on any thoughts in that episode, which I am sad about. But that's okay. And then, as always, find us over on Instagram as well. Same as our Twitter handle. And lots of good stuff going on over there. Sometimes we're not as active on the Instagrams. It's just remember. It's just if I remember to post stuff there. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll address that a little bit. I used to, um, on both the YouTube channel and on the Instagrams, try and do the rooftop roundup. Unfortunately, work and just life have been a little too busy for me to be doing that on a regular basis. Hopefully I can bring it back at some point, but you know, hope, hope you all understand that um, our, our personal lives do have to come, come first for these kinds of things, but we still are, are doing our very best to, to get out good content for y'all. And we especially want to make sure that we're getting these, you know, these podcasts out every week. And, and if we're getting content out, we want it to be the best content that we possibly can. And we thank you for your support. Uh, if you want to buy a t-shirt, you can go to rocky-mountain-rooftop.spreadshop.com and purchase a That's Baseball t-shirt. They came out looking really nice, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. And look forward to next week, where we have as a special guest, Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS. What? That's a joke. Another <laughs> Another wrestler who became a governor of some kind, I believe. Huh. Well, that's nice. He's the governor or mayor or something. For, for those of you who don't know, before he was Kane, uh, the long-lost burned brother of Taker, uh, the identity of that wrestler was Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS, a evil dentist. Oh. Well, I hope that Iron, I hope that Iron Yuppie gets his just desserts. That's my Simpsons wrestling reference for those that what a weird way to end an episode. Anyways, <laughs> thanks for joining us. As always, I appreciate all your support. I'm Skylar. That's been Evan. And we'll see you next time here on Affected by Altitude. Hit him with it. Farewell. Oh, yeah, brother.